Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. So in our last episode, we talked about Isaac and Rebecca and their, their two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau, the hunter, the outdoorsy guy, and, and Jacob, the indoorsy, the, the, the clever, the smarter guy who tricked their father into giving Jacob Esau's inheritance, his birthright, through some kind of shady means uh, involving some goat hair and, and, and whatnot, and a little bit of a, a disguise with clothing and things. And Esau swore to kill his brother uh, because of what he had done. And with their fa- their parents' blessing or whatever, Jacob left home, left, ran away from them all to go live with his uncle Laban to wait for Esau to kind of chill out a little bit and not want to kill him anymore. <laughs> so that's where we're going to pick up the story. And there's a bit here that I want to get into before we get into the rest of the story. And it's actually going to be probably a big episode. I'm going to try to get through it. As, as good as I can, as well as I can. But before we start, uh, there's this part in Genesis chapter 28 that I want to go over that's really cool. And I'm going to get in a real like nerd tangent on some things in a minute. But bear with me, please. So there's this part here where Jacob's on his way to his uncle Laban's house. And it's a mini-day journey, and it gets dark out. He decides to call tonight, and he finds a particularly nice stone that would make a good pillow, and, and it's, I guess it was ergonomic or whatever, and he, he, he falls asleep there, and as he's sleeping on this rock as a pillow, he dreams of this stairway leading up from where he's at all the way up to heaven, just this massive, this grand staircase, and on the staircase, there were angels going up and angels coming down, going up to heaven and down from heaven, down to earth. And he saw this and realized like what, what he was seeing and, and, and assumed that where he was at was, the, was like the doorway to heaven. And God starts talking to Jacob in the dream. And he says, uh, he says, I am God, the God of your father Abraham, which is his grandfather or whatever, uh, your father Isaac, the land you are on I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring will be as the dust of the earth, which is actually a compliment. That's a good thing. <laughs> Normally it's taken as a bad thing, but it be as plentiful as the dust of the earth. And uh, it goes on and, you know, it makes some promises and how he's going to hook Jacob up and take care of him. And this whole, the same type of promise and covenant and everything that was given to his fathers before him. And he wakes up the next morning, and Jacob does, and he takes the rock that he uses as a pillow and he stands it on its edge and anoints it with oil because he realizes that this is a special place. This is the, you know, the doorway to, to heaven. And he calls it, he names, he renames, which is very weird back then. They would just go to a new place and something special would happen and be like, now I'm going to rename this plot of land something else. This is now called Bob for whatever reasons. <laughs> and like, and I don't know like if, if people just accepted it or like you had to tell other people or you had to make a little statue or something, a little something you know, like, like to commemorate. Like they did this so much in the Bible, just like we're gonna rename this place to something else, and like you can't just go around naming things, guys. Like that's not—I don't understand how this works. Anyway, but just we're gonna ride with it. We're gonna go with it. So he he names this place where the pillow rock on its edge, anointed with oil, and he names it. He renames this this location as Beth El. 
Bethel means house of God. And in Hebrew, anytime you see the, hear the, the prefix or the suffix L, it means God. So when you look at like names, this is where I'm starting to get like real nerdy and, and I, I actually find it super fascinating. I hope you do too. So like the name Gabriel means strength of God. The name Michael means one who is like God. You know, that, that you hear that L in there. And the, the name Raphael, Raphael means God heals, which doesn't actually fit together with the Ninja Turtle the same name, but but we'll give it to him, whatever. But those are, you get the you get the idea, right? It's the L is always of God, you know. So Bethel is house of God. Anyway, so I bring all that up so that I can segue into the story of the case of Superman, Clark Kent, <laughs> and if if you've ever looked at his in the canon uh, of who he is Superman his original name on Krypton was Kal-El and at first you're like oh Matt you're reaching this is just that's just like you know you're looking for L's where they aren't there and actually if you don't know the the two co-creators of Superman way back in the day were actually both Jewish uh, they were uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and they they were they were Jewish, and I don't think that this was a coincidence. Like the L part of how Hebrew works and names and and of God and all that kind of thing is pretty prevalent. I think it's pretty well known, and I and I can't fathom that these guys didn't know that also, right? They didn't they didn't know that that was part of it. So i just i i like to <laughs> i've done this a bunch of times in the past where i just go off on a thing and like study the etymology of these words in the, of these fictional these fictional lands these fictional uh, other planets and i think that the krypton has a lot of symbolism and there's a lot of symbolism in the story of superman as well which i'm gonna probably do a whole other episode on so it's just a little sneak peek of all that but so but kal-el superman's birth name actually doesn't have a direct translation a lot of people seem to think that kal-el should mean like if you google it like what does kal-el mean in hebrew and a lot of people are like like you'll get a lot of responses back like oh it means the voice of god which okay that sounds nice but from my research if l is god right so the kal-el l is god the cal words what we're trying to figure out and there's not really a word cal in hebrew the closest thing is a word that I found that means something being light. Like, not light as in from the sun or light in the darkness or whatever, but light as in like a feather, something that is without weight, which is kind of cool also because he, in, in the original action comics, whatever, you know, in his first appearance and, and shortly thereafter, Superman couldn't fly, but he could jump tall buildings in a single bound right you've heard that and and then later of course he we all know that superman flies and everything that's part of his his mythos but he so that would be kind of neat if if his if his kryptonian slash if we dip into it the hebrew word for his name was the weightlessness of god which doesn't sound like really cool like that's not a that's not a, like a, a banging like awesome name to have like oh like the you know <laughs> light is a feather or whatever of god but you know it, it plays into it a little bit but then if you go a step further i think there's a i don't know i want to believe there's a big play on words here 
because his father, so Superman's birth name was Kal-El, his father was Jor-El, right? It was the, the House of El is what uh, they referenced a lot in different comics and everything. So Jor-El is more than likely just gibberish. Again, El is of God. Jor doesn't mean anything that doesn't have a Hebrew component or whatever. But if we try really hard, <laughs> J isn't a letter in Hebrew. Instead, though, we have, instead of the letter J, we have the Yud, or the Y. And that's the closest Hebrew letter that we have to the J. So, even though Jor-El isn't a thing, we might have like a Y sound, so like Yor-El, or the word Yor, you know, so if L is of God, Yor being the first part, so Kal-El's father being Yor-El, and that, the word Yor, like that, actually means light. But this time, not like light as a feather, actual light, as in like light in the darkness or whatever, like shining light, that type of thing. And that seems really cool to me. If if they thought about it, if that was planned at some point, maybe maybe it's, I'm I'm definitely probably just reaching too much, but it'd be it's a really cool play on words. If Superman's father, if we stretch it this way, <laughs> means the light of God, meaning shining light of God, and his son, who could fly later, was the weightlessness of God. But both the words light in our language. And and it's only a pun, not even a pun, but it's only a wordplay in our language. It doesn't necessarily mean that it translates to anything else. They're probably two separate words and whatever. But in our language, in English, and looking at it, it feels clever. It feels cute. It feels like a play on words. But anyway, uh, then if you keep going down the road, uh, Supergirl, uh, Kara, her Kryptonian name is, is her last name is Zorel. She's Kara Zorel. And again, there's nothing really for Zor. But it gets kind of weird here. The closest thing we have is, if you remember the story of Samson, Samson was born in a city called Zora, uh, or Zora, which uh, apparently means either leprosy or maybe hornets. It's a little bit of an ambiguity there. So Supergirl, cute little blonde Supergirl, her last name might be the Hornets of God. <laughs> Or the leprosy of God. Uh, I, don't, I like hornets of God. Like like new band name. I called it. And we're, so anyway, it's just a. Uh, it's all stupid. I know. And you're like, what are you talking about, man? Like this is a ridiculous thing to be to have on the show. But I I don't. Know, I I find it so fascinating. And it all kind of starts with it triggered in my brain when he named the place Bethel, the house of God. So anyway, uh, we'll get into Superman and how he relates to the Old Testament later. There's a lot there, and it's super cool. And um, I can't wait to talk about it. But anyway, that's that's the start of the show. And let's talk about what I'm drinking. So for today's episode, I actually grabbed a bottle of wine. And it is... So my parents, specifically my mom, doesn't drink much. She, she's kind of opposed. Doesn't, doesn't really like it. Doesn't like the taste of it. Doesn't do anything for her. Uh, you know, whatever. So, But our, a good friend of ours, Henry... He comes over all the time, and you know they're they're all you know like best friends with my parents, and they'll come over watch TV, watch movies together, and stuff like that. And he likes to drink wine, so I've always felt a kindred spirit there. And this is one of his favorites. And so the wine that I'm drinking today is a brand called Menage a Trois, and it's a it's an interesting group. And if you read up on their website, it's pretty cool most like the vast majority of wines in the world 
unless they're brand new and they have to outsource or do something or whatever, a lot of them, they have a vineyard and those grapes, those from their vineyard is what makes their wine. So it's a single like vine, single grape in, in their wine. Menage a trois, like, I don't know if they outsource it or, or what the deeper story there is, but they their idea was to bring together three different grapes to make their wine, to make a complex blend to make their product. And they've done a lot of great stuff. I like, I don't think I've had any of their whites. I don't drink white wine very often, but I like their reds. Uh, so tonight I'm drinking their, it's the dark red, the midnight uh, label. And I've had a bunch of their different ones. I've had their cab, I've had... Uh, their their regular uh, just their Southern California I think it is or it's just California blend I don't have it in front of me but they're that's kind of like their staple I like all their stuff I, I'm a big fan of red wine and I really like what they have it there the midnight one is very is dry but it's also got those fruity notes in it so uh, but and of course there's also the play on words or not even play on words but they you know that because they're using three different versions three different grapes in their wine it's the Menage a Trois which anyone with a dirty mind knows that means a uh, threesome generally in a sexual uh, reference <laughs> so uh, I felt it was apropos a little bit for today's episode as you'll find out later I guess <laughs> if you don't already know I'm definitely making things more dirty than they probably should be uh, but uh, I just really wanted some wine so anyway back to Bible stuff so after the whole, uh, if you like wine, if you like, especially reds, if you want to switch it out, they're, they're, from what I've seen, they're immensely popular. I've seen them in every store around me. They're, they're really just, they're really killing it as far as marketing goes. So go grab a bottle of Menage a Trois and think dirty thoughts uh, if you choose to. Anyway, so back to Bible stuff. So after the whole stairway to heaven bit, we pick up with Jacob in Genesis chapter 29, where he finally starts getting close to his destination, to his uncle Laban. And he comes onto the outskirts of Uncle Laban's property, and and there's all these flocks of sheep and everything nearby, and all the different different groups, the you know the different herds owned by different groups, and there's a watering well, you know, kind of like the one from uh, The Ring, right? That movie, I think this happened in the movie too. Uh, they, I guess no one died in this one in, in the Bible story, but they had a big rock on top of this well, kind of. I think that was in the movie, and uh, <laughs> there was this this thing. That's kind of where the similarities stop. There was this protocol that they had with all the shepherds and all their flocks where they wouldn't move the stone away and get water out until everybody was there with all their flocks. Like, I don't know why, what the purpose of that was, but that was that was the policy. It was like, you know, no one drinks until everyone's here, and then we all water our flocks or herds together. So just like uh, the popular pub or bar adage, you know, the, the meeting up of the old watering hole, uh, Jacob rolls up. And he sees a few of the shepherds just hanging out, and he asks if they know a guy named Laban. And they sure, yeah, sure as heck we do. Uh, in fact, his daughter Rachel is right over there, and she's bringing she's bringing her flock over. Which I guess she was a shepherd herself. Which I don't know if that's a like a gender stereotype breaking like like profession. Like I, you don't the Bible doesn't talk a lot about female shepherds, so I feel like it's a big deal. Like Rachel was was probably kind of a badass in, in her own right, is what I assume, because that's not a, usually a female thing to do. But it, So he sees Rachel and, and her flock, and I guess kind of like, 
he's he's in love with her like he, he immediately at first sight like she's like oh he's like oh my god never mind that that they're cousins because that's his uncle's daughter like it's still we're still a few just a few generations south of noah and the soft reboot that happened for humanity so like like incest wasn't worried about too much so he felt instantly in love with her and wanted to like impress her i think and so he sees her there with her flock and she's not able to water the flock because the stone's still on it because not everyone has shown up to do the thing and he's like screw this i need to make a great first impression and so he runs over he's like like you know introduces himself or whatever and he rolls away the stone after he asked her like you know like like why aren't you guys watering all that kind of stuff he's like he rolls away the stone all by himself i don't know if it was normally like a three-man job or whatever but he just rolls it away he's like screw all these other lamos but you you need to water your flock right now because no daughter of laban should wait for water for their sheep or whatever i don't know whatever kind of weird pickup line that might be (laughs) but (laughs) and she gives jacob a big hug and she's like oh i can't believe that your family this is so great and i guess she like waters the 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 sheep and everything and they go back they run back to laban so he gets there and he starts meeting his long lost family relatives and there's it it goes on to say there's there's rachel who we just met but she has another sister an older sister named leah and the bible says and i quote leah's eyes were weak but rachel was beautiful in form and attractive and now i don't know about you but those two descriptions don't seem to be on the same level they're not the same Uh, here's rachel who's a beautiful goddess that any man would want to be with and here's leah who suffers from a little bit of uh astigmatism (laughs) like i mean like like oh my god like like she's a little bit nearsighted okay like what's the big deal have y'all not invented sexy librarians yet glasses can be super hot like let me tell you i said i don't understand like why it's worded like this like like oh this one's <laughs> rachel's so hot ah leah you know she needs glasses like she's just trying to see damn like that's not that's not fair uh i think it actually is more to it here personally if i can if i can push my own little idea onto this this passage um I mean, because also if it's true that she just has bad eyesight, it's the only time it's ever mentioned is this one verse. Like, not like like Jacob's father, Isaac, who it talks about being blind and how he was able to be tricked, you know, by the whole thing because he couldn't see. Like, it became a recurring theme. This is the only the one. Those are the four words. Leah's eyes were weak is the only time that it ever talks about her eyesight being poor, which leads me to believe that it, it's a mistranslation and it doesn't actually mean that. You're free to believe whatever you want, but this is what I think. I think what the verse is trying to say in their misguided attempt is you've heard the term, like when a, when you're talking about when guys, no me sexist or whatever, but when guys are talking about a beautiful girl and they're like, oh, she's easy on the eyes. right? I think this is like the opposite of that. Whatever the opposite of she's easy on the eyes would be, like, like hard on the eyes, whatever hard to look at that's a term that's a thing i think that's what it's trying to talk about um <laughs> she's not classically pretty she's you know a little little rough maybe if we're being very mean and cruel uh she might be an eyesore right you know like that's another type of all these things <laughs> all these we have so many we have so many ways to say how someone is or something is not as attractive as as they could be 
Uh, very mean, but <laughs> that's what I think. I think Leah was was a little homely. Home I don't think she was that great looking, and Rachel was gorgeous. So I think that was part of the issue. <laughs> so now that you know the rankings of where the different cousins of Jacob are as far as the hotness scale. <laughs> now, now we've covered that, like which one's a 10 and which one's like a 4. We move on, and, and so Jacob's there with his uncle Laban, and he starts working for him because he's there and he's under his roof, and what else are you going to do? And about a month in, Laban and Jacob are just hanging out. He goes, oh, Jacob, like your family, you know, your family, it's not good for you to work for free. What? Let's talk about uh, how much we should pay you, right? I don't know why he's Italian right now. It's like I'm a mafia mob boss type thing. I don't know. I just went with it. But <laughs> he goes, he's like, like let's. It's not good that you work for me for free. What should we pay you? We we should figure out a wage. And Jacob had a pretty decent history of making deals. He strikes up this agreement. He says, Uncle Laban, here's my here's what I want. Here's my payment. Here's what I want. I will work for you for seven years in exchange for Rachel your younger daughter's hand in marriage I really want to marry my cousin which is not a, a bad thing right now I guess <laughs> but he's like I really want to marry Rachel my cousin I will work for you for seven years in exchange for her hand and Laban thinks about it for a second and he says <laughs> and he replies with a sentence that can only be taken seriously either near the dawn of humanity like we're in or in the deep redneck south <laughs> you know Laban says yeah it, it'd be much better to give her to you a member of the family than to some other man we have a deal <laughs> and they and they shake hands like just like this is the it would be it would be so much better yes I would much rather marry off my daughter into a in back into the family a member of the family than some other douchebag out there anyway uh, we're, we're rolling with it so so they, they agree, they make this promise, and Jacob is so excited, can't wait to be married to Rachel. So they you know, he's working these seven years. Seven years without even real pay, just just only for her hand in marriage. That's a long ass time. Seven years just in order to marry his beautiful cousin. And if that don't just warm the banjos of your heart, I don't know what will, but <laughs> So then in Genesis chapter 29, verse 20, and I'm going to read it verbatim because I think it's actually the number one most romantic verse in the Bible. So they strike a deal to work seven years for Rachel to be his wife. And verse 20, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days for the love he had for her. Ah, <laughs> seven years of working just to marry her, and it just seemed like a few days. It went by so quickly because it's he was so excited to marry her. Like that's that's sweet, y'all. Like that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> I don't know. So seven years, and then one day later, Jacob goes to Laban and says, "Okay, I did my time. I worked for you seven years. Give me Rachel." And Laban's like, sure enough, yep. And so he sets up a big wedding party, and he gathers all the friends and the family members. There's a huge feast. And, I mean, undoubtedly there was revelry and drinking, and it was a big party. And, and this is how I imagine it. Like in the movie The Hangover, which I haven't watched a bunch of times, but it's pretty, it's pretty popular. <laughs> the camera shows Jacob there, maybe already like a little bit drunk, waiting to say his I do's. 
after seven years of working and waiting, and he sees his bride at the other end of the room, like, walk in, and she's got the veil covering her face, and the camera pans up, and you see the the mountains of the Jordan Valley, and flocks of sheep in the background, and some goats and such, and you hear the wedding, you know, dun, 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 dun. And the sun sets, and the scene fades to black, like, you know what happens, right? And from the blackness, we transition to to inside Jacob's tent the next morning. The camera pans over. There's clothes thrown about, a tuxedo haphazardly thrown onto a chair, a wedding dress lying over the kitchen table, the floor littered with bow ties, just I guess just one, a bow tie and a, and a pocket square, a remnant of the, the flower bouquet. Then we pan up to the bedpost, which is now home to the wedding veil itself from the night before and the camera glides down to a sleeping Jacob under the covers except for like one leg sticking out of the side the morning sun's rays splash across his face waking him up he leans over to the woman under the covers next to him lightly caresses her shoulder and says good morning beautiful to which Leah rolls over and says good morning husband like and then like record scratch like like what like what jacob loses his shit like that was not who he was expecting to wake up to the next morning he's like why are you here what the hell's happening what the fuck he runs out of the tent and the bible isn't clear if he actually like it doesn't specify if he puts on pants or not before he runs out of his tent but you you can imagine any way you want he runs out of his tent screaming for Uncle Laban and he reaches Uncle Laban and says like what the fuck man like what what happened I worked for free for seven years to get Rachel why is Leah in my bed man like what happened last what and why is there a tiger in the bathroom like like, like what happened last night and Laban and now we start to understand like where Jacob gets the whole trickster thing. Laban says, "Hey, hey there, slugger. Like, listen, calm down, calm down." So you see, it's just not our custom to marry off the younger sister before the older one. The older one has to be married first. And I really thought, I really did. I really thought that sometime in the last seven years, that somebody would, uh, you know, they'd, they'd come up and they'd uh, they'd marry Leah. You know, and take her off our hands. But uh, as you as you can see, nobody was really lining up for for Leah over there. So um, what was I to do? What was I to do? Uh, my hands were tied, Jacob. We had to marry off the older one first. And Jacob is fuming. Like not only is that like a horribly like I don't even know like like sexist or like whatever you know like oh like like. Leah's never gonna get married if we don't sneakily like like just slide her in at the last second while he's drunk and like and make him say I do like 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 poor Leah like god but (laughs) but Laban continues he says listen 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 I'm not unreasonable tell you what finish up the next seven days of the honeymoon with Leah right it was a big honeymoon plan Finish up the next seven days and keep her as your wife. I, I still need her to be married. She needs to be married. And then after that, I will also give you Rachel right after this. So after the seven days, I will immediately give you Rachel also as long as you promise to work for another seven years. 
right? No big deal. Like, no, you know, just whatever. No big deal. You get two wives now. Like, right? That's twice as many as you wanted. And so Jake, <laughs> Jacob already invested seven years into getting Rachel. I mean, he's not turning away now. Like, you can't cut your losses. Like, he doesn't want Rachel. He's not about Rachel. Or, sorry. He doesn't want Leah. He's not about Leah. He wants Rachel. He's super into Rachel. So he, he agrees. He's like, fine, whatever. Seven more years. Give me Rachel in six days from now when I'm done with this honeymoon. And they shake hands and it's a deal. <laughs> it's, it's all so crazy. So now Jacob is married to Leah and Rachel. And he's locked under contract for another seven years. But he loves Rachel way more. Rachel is who he wanted, and Leah is just kind of there. So, so we start trotting along these seven years, and God takes pity on Leah because he knows that Jacob doesn't love her, and he sees that Jacob, you know, is not is not feeling her. And Leah's not dumb, right? She's just has bad eyesight. <laughs> she's just she's not super super hot. So God takes pity on her and makes her like super fertile. And he makes Rachel barren. And so Leah starts off and she has Jacob's first kid, first pregnancy. And she is, so the kid comes out and she names it Reuben, which means something like God took pity and gave me a son or something like that so that my husband would love me. Something like that. Like it's a really weird name. Reuben sounds like a nice name. It's a great sandwich. But uh, apparently it's supposed to mean God took pity and gave me a son so that my husband would actually love me, which is a really weird name like a thing to be named or whatever but then she had another son after that and they named him Simeon and then a third son which she named Levi and I guess Levi is supposed to mean or or it was I don't know if that's what he what it means but she it says she thought surely my husband will love me now that I have given him three sons and then another one comes along they have a fourth son and they name him Judah so we've got Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. So the current count is four kids, Leah, zero for Rachel. And which, you know, bless her heart, Leah. Like, I, I do kind of like feel bad. Like, I don't, there's no evidence that she was like a bitch or that she like, like she had, you know, she was a bad person. Just her husband loved her sister a lot more than her. Uh, very weird situation. But anyway. So Leah's got four kids, zero Rachel, and Rachel, beautiful Rachel, beautiful barren Rachel, she starts going a little crazy herself as she's watching these four babies, like, come out of her sister, and she gets all mad at Jacob and threatens him and says, you better put a baby in me or I will die, like, super dramatic. Like, on the hot, crazy scale, she might be a little bit up there. <laughs> Jacob's, Jacob gets mad right back at her. He's like, like, what the fuck do you want, woman? Like, like what WTF? Like, I'm over here not trying to get things cooking. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to put a bun in that oven. Like, it's not my fault that God put an out-of-order sign on your... Uh, kitchen appliances he's <laughs> like i can't i can't go against god with this so so rachel is all worked up still and she wants to beat her sister she's not happy that her sister's having all the children out there so, <laughs> this, this whole this whole having children game that's happening she and see if this sounds familiar so she says rachel says here here's my servant girl bilhah have her and have her have a baby with her, and whatever baby she has, we'll count it for Team Rachel. Like we're gonna count it as one of mine, 
in a weird way. And Jacob doesn't fight it. He's just like, okie dokie, if that'll make you happy. So he goes and spends the night with Bill Ha, the servant girl. And it's so weird. And she has a baby from that. And they name him Dan. And they, they do it again. A couple, it wasn't a one-time occurrence. Like he, he has more sex with Bill Ha. And has, they have another son, they, which they name Naphtali. And like these baby names are all over the place. Like we've got Reuben, which sounds like a sandwich. Simeon, okay. Levi, that's a no. I know people named Levi. And then we go down to Naphtali, like okay. And then like oh, and here's Dan. Like Dan is the most basic, uh, like uh, white boy uh, name in there. Anyway, uh, that's beside the point. So the current count is Team Leah four, Team Rachel two. So Leah sees that team rachel is gaining momentum so she's all like this bitch oh no she didn't (laughs) so she takes her servant girl zilpa and does the same whole thing (laughs) so so now jacob is kind of juggling four women his two actual wives and then these two other servant girls concubine whatever we've got leah and zilpa on team leah and rachel and bilha on team rachel it's a lot of it's a lot to keep track of i know and so zilpa from team leah gets pregnant and she has a son who she names gad and then they do it again and they have another son named asher so leah is widening the point spread right on this on this football game here so team leah is at six and team rachel is still only at two and then reuben the oldest child the oldest of the children and uh, so he's out there i don't know what age he is at this point but he's out in the in the fields or something and he comes back with some mandrakes right a a plant and if you're a harry potter fan you'll remember the mandrakes from one of the movies where they they when they uproot them they they're, they're like these ugly like anthropomorphic like root people like whatever and apparently like when they're when they become adults if you pull them out of the ground they'll scream and you'll die like the 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 sound is fatal to people or whatever but anyway blah 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 (laughs) it's just like the worst nightmare fuel version of Groot that you've ever seen and with these lethal screams and ugly chubby root baby looking things anyway we're not talking about those mandrakes these mandrakes are supposedly so and mandrakes in the real world actually have have a real like a long history of different lore behind them in in real life Many cultures have created legends around the mandrakes in regards to folklore, uh, witchcraft, or just plain like herbal medicine. Because the roots of the plants often bear resemblance to the human body or human body parts, there's been ideas that the plants could heal different ailments or very often be considered to have aphrodisiac components, which is what we're talking about right now. That's the, that's the prevailing thought for this reference. So Reuben runs in, and he's got these mandrakes, and Rachel sees them, and Rachel knows what they are, and she wants them. <laughs> she begs her sister Leah to give her some of the mandrakes so that she might be able to finally have a son herself, to finally have her own son for Jacob, to make, to make her husband happy. And, you know, Reuben's mandrakes bring all the girls to the yard, am I right? <laughs> Leah gets real angsty and she's all like, isn't it bad enough that you took away my husband, but now you want to take away my son's mandrakes as well? Which is such a weird sentence. And, 
there's a joke in there, I think, but I don't. I have it's not coming to me right now. <laughs> he took away my husband, and now also my son's mandrakes. And so Rachel bargains for the mandrakes, I, I guess. So like, if you've ever watched the Sister Wives TV show, which I have not watched it, I'm not like I, I've literally seen one episode when I was waiting to get my oil changed once, I think. But the one little bit that I saw, it had like this one guy, and he had like three wives, and I think two of the wives were sisters. I'm not sure, and they all had like like condos. They all had a separate condo that they all stayed in. So it would be like, oh, Monday night, I'm gonna stay at Melissa's apartment and hang hang out with our three children over there, and on Tuesday I'll be at Tara's house, and so on and and so forth. And I guess that was basically the same thing that was happening here with Jacob and and Rachel and Leah and Bilhah and Zilpah or whatever. Like he like he was he had to divvy himself up based on different times or whatever. But most of the time was with Rachel. Like that was that was his number one go to. Like he would spend most of his nights with her. And Leah was feeling a little bit left out. So Leah trades the Mandrakes. For like a guaranteed promise or whatever of spending the night with Jacob again like bless her heart like poor Leah like like she's like trading trading mandrakes just to have a night with her husband like it's kind of it's kind of a messed up situation but whatever so so Jacob comes home from work and Leah runs out and she literally says like like not literally I'm paraphrasing but you know like hey big boy like like I bought you for tonight with the mandrakes you have to come sleep with me tonight in my tent like and he's like whatever so they spend the night together and then she gets pregnant again because yeah, she's so fertile or whatever and they named him Issachar so now we've got Issachar and then we're gonna like fast forward Leah gets pregnant again, and they name him Zebulon, and then she has a daughter, the first daughter, and they name her Dinah. And then, so at this point, Leah is way in the lead, and she's got eight, and Rachel only has two. So Leah has definitely, she's she's, uh, widened the spread, like she's dominating this match, like Rachel uh, can't, can't even catch up at this point. And I'm not sure if the timeline of, uh, timeline is off or whatever, but apparently the Mandrakes did not work because Leah had, you know, like the three children I just mentioned between the Mandrake story and now and what I'm about to talk about. And But then finally, after all this, when he sees that there's no way that Rachel's going to win this battle and that's eight versus two, God feels sorry and finally like opens up her womb so that she can have a baby. So she finally gets pregnant, and she has a son and names it Joseph. So now, at this point, Jacob has 11 sons total, 12 children, including Dinah, and he's finished up his seven extra years that he promised to work for Rachel's hand in marriage. So he goes to his uncle Laban and says, Listen, I gots to go. I have been here long enough. Let me go back home to be with my family. I think my brother doesn't want to kill me anymore. Hopefully not. I've been here 14 years, right? Two sets of seven. Like, please let me go. And Laban begs him to stay because he realizes that Jacob was really friggin' good at being a shepherd or whatever and knows that he's a richer man now than he was before Jacob showed up. So he wants him to stay. So he says, I'll pay you. What do you want me to pay you? So Jacob gets an idea. Remember how he was tricky? Jacob says, okay, here's my price. 
of all the sheep and goats and everything you have, give me all the speckled or spotted or black sheep ones, and you keep all the nice-looking, pure-coated white sheep and goats. Then, if there's ever a dispute, if there's ever a fight, if anyone ever wants to accuse the other one of, like, having stolen from them, we could just literally look at the sheep and see, like, like oh, yep, there's some, there's some speckled ones, like, mixed in there. Like, you definitely stole from me, or vice versa. Like, oh, that's a pure coat. Like, you definitely stole from me. You know, does that make sense, right? So that was, that was the whole plan. And Laban's, Laban's about it. He's into it. So he goes through his whole flock, and he separates all the spotted and speckled and the black sheep and whatever and the goats, and he gives them all to Jacob. And Jacob has his speckled flock way over here to the side. It's, uh, I think it said it was like a three-day journey. I may be misquoting that, but it was like far away. But he's not with them. He has he hires people to like watch over them, but Jacob himself stays with Laban's flocks because that's his job. That's what he's doing. And he's still working for him. and But Jacob, Jacob's tricky, right? We said that before. Jacob has this weird sheep slash goat pregnancy life hack that I absolutely do not understand. Like, so Jacob would take these certain types of trees, I think it's like, like poplar branches or whatever, and he would cut strips in them. So he would like stripe them, um, like cut, cut, yeah, like, they were like, like, like candy cane like stripes or whatever i don't know cut stripes strips out of them and we'd plant these these branches in the dirt right next to where the animals would water and somehow some way i don't it doesn't make any sense to me i mean genetics what i don't like this isn't whatever but when the animals would come to water and they would see these these striped branches sitting there it would like when they got horny and they would start to do sheep banging or whatever goat banging by seeing the branch would make it so that their their offspring would have speckled or spotted or whatever coats and like i don't i don't get it i don't understand i don't i mean to be fair i do not know anything about like husbandry for for goats and sheep or whatever maybe that's a thing maybe you can google that and like can you can you affect the coats of their offspring? Maybe that's common knowledge. I don't know. I don't even like goats. Like I've said that before in the show. <laughs> coats are the coats are the worst, man. Their their eyes are weird. They follow you around. Anyway, so <laughs> so Jacob was like he was playing the system, right? He was gaming it. So he would see if there was a couple of like good, healthy, strong-looking cattle that would come up for a drink. He'd put these sticks down so they would have speckled babies but if they were weak or, or feeble animals he wouldn't do that and so they would have spot free they would have clean you know pure perfect coat babies but they were feeble you know they were they were shitty <laughs> offspring so jacob just ramped up how rich he was and essentially put the screws to his shifty uncle laban and we're going to kind of stop right there. I'm already like over like I think 40 minutes, uh, which is longer than I want to be. And the story really doesn't have a cutting off point because we just keep going in the next episode with more of this story and, and how his his life hack of, of animal husbandry like plays into it and how he fights with Laban. And, and I don't want to get into spoilers or whatever, but a lot of neat stuff, a lot of fun stuff. He, he reunites with Esau, so... Uh, but we're going to stop it here. Tune in next time to f- continue the story of, of Jacob and his two wives, the 
now you get the now you get the idea for the wine, right? The menage a trois, right? Him and him and two two girls, one Jacob. Um, actually, it was four girls, one Jacob, like even crazier. But um, yeah, I think that's where we're gonna stop. So thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, as the time I'm recording this, uh, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. By the time you hear it, it will have been already Thanksgiving. So hope that you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Hope they had a great Black Friday. Hope that you didn't have to work or you got a bunch of shit on sale. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, like and subscribe and share, please. Let other people know about the show. This is our 16th episode, so we're doing pretty good. I'm not stopping anytime soon. So thank you guys uh, always for listening and, and supporting and everything. So it's fun on my end. I hope it's fun on your end. So anyway, thank you guys so much. Have a fantastic day. Cheers.